Hey, this is Joe Bakimutsky, and welcome to Simplified Cancer Podcast. Listen, I think it's important to remind yourself that when you're done with treatment, when you're hopefully done with cancer, you don't want to put yourself under too much pressure. You want to have realistic expectations and really look after yourself. Take good care of yourself emotionally and physically and, and socially and connect with the people you care about, connect with the things that you love and pace yourself. And that's really what we're talking about today with Aileen. So I hope you enjoy this. So Aileen, listen, I know you've been the oncology nurse and, and you've seen a lot of folks go through treatment. So in your experience, what are the biggest myths and misconceptions that people have around cancer? Well, one of the biggest misconceptions on the part of patients, people who go through treatment, is that they think that as soon as treatment is done, that they're going to feel better. And they don't really have any idea of what the recovery process is going to be like. So what happens is they'll, you know, they'll get done with treatment and after a few weeks, they, they think, well, you know, when am I going to start to feel better? And then this drags on for months and they do start to recover in some ways, but in other ways, there's still a lot of fatigue. There's still, there are a lot of things that um, need to heal. So the thing is that, you know, people don't understand that when treatment is over and the cancer is gone, um, it doesn't mean that you're done. So I think people focus so hard on getting rid of the cancer because that's what you think. It's like, I get this out of me. I want to be cancer-free. But in the process of doing that, it uses a lot of your body's resources, going through treatment and then healing from whatever, whatever they do in the treatment. Um, also, a lot of people, especially people who have not had cancer, will equate cancer with death. And there's that burden, that mental burden of fear, which is a legitimate fear, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, more people survive much longer now, and uh, it's not the same as it used to be. So I think, I think in general, there are, there are misconceptions on the part of people going through cancer and cancer treatment. And then the people around them, they have their own set of misconceptions too. Cool. So if we look at people around them, what sort of false uh, beliefs or yeah, maybe misconceptions that people have around cancer that maybe they are caregivers or maybe they're friends or family or co-workers? Because I, I know that in a way from experience, you feel like you're, you're almost branded with something, you know, like you, you're treated in a different way. Yeah, um, I think to, to back up for a second, I think that there's this cancer literacy. So this idea of knowing enough about cancer to have a, a working knowledge of it when you have to encounter it, whether it's in yourself or it's someone you know. There's just so much, there's so much misinformation out there. So I think a lot of people think that once the person uh, is done with treatment, that they're going to just bounce right back and go back to doing what they did before. Um, they don't realize that the person might have a completely different outlook on life. And just it, it changes people in so many ways. And I think that people who don't have cancer, but they're watching someone else go through it, they have no idea of the transformation that's going on inside the person, mentally, physically, emotionally, and all of these other, the, all these other things that have changed. So I think that for the people who don't have cancer, what they really need to do is ask the person who does or did have cancer and not assume anything because their assumptions are most likely going to be wrong. 
And I think this uh, this transformation, this metamorphosis that people go through when they get cancer, it probably really starts at the point of the diagnosis. It's it's such an incredible shock. Mm-hmm. You feel helpless. You feel lost. So how does someone regain some semblance of control over their life? I think there's a real tendency for people when they hear, you know, you have cancer, when they hear that diagnosis, that they kind of withdraw because they're so overwhelmed and they don't even know how to handle it. And what they really need is to not hide and to reach out and especially to other people who've been through it. And unfortunately, that's not something that people are told to do at first. It's, uh, you know, it's just all overwhelming with all the diagnostic, the workup, you know, the medical workup, and then the beginning treatment and everything that needs to be done in, in preparation for that. But one of the most important things that a person can do is seek out other people who have been through it or even who are going through it at that moment. But there needs to be a way for medical professionals, people on the treatment team, to help the patient reach out to those people um, so that they're, they don't feel alone. Because when you're going through that, if you have a doctor or a nurse tell you details about it, they're seeing it from their perspective. But unless they've been through it themselves, they can't possibly really tell you what you're going to experience. You need to hear it from someone who's been through it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like I've had... Um... You know, the girls at the reception recommend me a particular doctor because he's great. And then I talk to him and he's completely clueless, but I understand that he's great from their perspective because he's fun or whatever. You know, so, so from patient perspective, it's really different. And I couldn't agree with, with you more about, of course, finding people who are in the same situation. And I think this goes not just for cancer, Aileen, but I think this goes for Every single single situation you've got, you, you know, if you've served in the army, if you've been to the war, well, no, you know what? When you get back, you want the people who've been through the same thing. If you've been through a breakup, then you gotta talk to to your friends, to your mates, or just people who've been through that. I think I think it's just so important to connect with the people who went down that road before, who've experienced what you have experienced, maybe through exact same thing, or maybe they just one step before. Uh, And, you know, even Alcoholics Anonymous, it's all about going through the same things that someone's gone before and connecting with their experience and being able to go, hey, you know what? I'm not alone in this. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. The connection, when you use the word connection, that is so important. And you have to find people who can relate to that experience because doctors and medical professionals They're great at treating the cancer. They're great at helping you get that disease out of your body, but they don't go through what a patient goes through. And just like you're saying anybody, it doesn't matter if it's cancer or any experience in life. um, When you have something traumatic happen to you, you need other people who understand and who've been there. So reaching out to others is the most important thing. And I think we could save ourselves so much trauma and so much um, so much difficulty if when a person is initially diagnosed with cancer, if part of what they are told by their doctors is, you know, look, we're going to plan out your treatment, but what you need to do right now is connect with this group or these people. You need to talk to people who've been through it. Maybe they, maybe they have other patients who've been through it who are willing to talk to future patients. 
there has to be a consideration of the experience of the patient in their everyday life. So what do you think, what, what can someone do right now? So let's say someone is diagnosed and they, they've seen maybe their oncologist or another specialist for the first time, and they do, they do want to connect with others. What is the best way of you know, finding those people? There are support groups everywhere. And if you live in a big city, um, most likely you're going to find some through um, wherever you're being treated. If you go to a hospital or you go to a healthcare facility, they will have information. Usually they have information about support groups. But you can also look online. You can look on social media. There are all kinds of different things. You can, you can even just Google on cancer support groups in your locality, um, and you might find one. You, there might be many different support groups, but you have to find a good one. You have to find one that resonates with you and that is going to be helpful for you. There are some groups that are less helpful than others. You know, some will sit around and you know, it becomes complaining, you know, feeling sorry for yourself, which that's okay. You know, you, there's a place for that too in this whole process. But there needs to be some kind of practical help for the person who's going through it so that they can take some positive steps and get through it with less difficulty. Cool. And you know what, Aileen, I'm a big fan of online support groups because it really it's like um, they are communities and it's just people who really, you know, are willing to spend their time and, and share their experience and, and help others and give give advice. And what I really love about it, it's also completely anonymous. So, you know, you don't have to kind of filter anything out. You can just say whatever comes to your mind and it's okay and people get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Online support groups are great. Plus you have so many more people to reach out to because if you're only dealing with a local area, you're not going to have as much diversity of experience and the depth the, and all the different people who are out there who've experienced something. And you just, you get a lot more opportunities to connect with someone who's been through what you have been when you've got a support group that reaches out, you know, all over the world. Yeah, for sure. And I remember that, you know, we talked about the initial diagnosis. I remember that it, it kind of stays with you. You kind of get over it and you you move on. But still, you, you get the shock, the sense of being scared. Like you, you kind of rub it in the headlights and you're in the system, the medical system, and you don't really understand what's happening. You don't understand what all these people do. How am I supposed to behave? And you've been in that world. So as an oncology nurse, what sort of things do you think that people should, should they be comfortable like asking questions and, and talking to you and talking to the specialist? What sort of advice do you have on that front? Um, so I would say, don't expect to find everything you need from your medical treatment team. Like I said before, they are great at treating the disease until the disease is gone. But once the disease is gone, once the cancer is gone from your body, hopefully, or you know, in remission, you're still a patient. You're still part of that medical process. You need help restoring your life as a person again. So it's really important to reach out to the community out there that can help you. There are so many resources out there. I mean, there are just so many people and practitioners and experts outside of the clinical setting who can help you. Like we said, support groups, activity groups, people who teach, people who coach, um, educators, special interest groups and clubs, even political action groups. I mean, there are all kinds of ways to get involved and reach out to others, you know, when you have the energy to do that. 
or as you're regaining your energy. But again, there's nothing better than talking to other cancer survivors. So just remember that even though the medical treatment is necessary, just remember that is not all of it. There's a lot more to it. There's a lot more in your everyday life as a person that you need to work with. All your activities and everything you do doesn't have to revolve around cancer once you get through treatment. It's really good to find some supportive people who can help you move back into a more comfortable everyday existence. Cool. So let's say I've finished treatment and you know I'm getting the all clear, which is the words everyone wants to hear. So if you had the sort of survivorship step-by-step manual, Aileen, what would you suggest? What are the things that you should be doing as a cancer survivor? And why is it important to get involved in other things? So I have a program and I'm just going to kind of talk from that because it does follow that trajectory from immediately after treatment until, you know, you start to move through recovery. But the most important thing is to not expect too much of yourself because people think they're going to feel better sooner than they actually do. And when they don't feel good and they set expectations for themselves then they can be disappointed when they don't feel good enough to achieve those goals that they set for themselves. So you need to be, you need to set goals that are realistic and not expect too much of yourself. You know, just accept that you're going to need time to recover. Again, with the support groups or another survivor, um, you get validation from them. So you need validation from other people and you need to be patient with yourself. Then as far as what to do, So first, you'll be thinking about your immediate post-treatment needs. Yes, you're going to need that support. You're going to need to be patient with yourself. Realize that your body takes time to recover. Then to start thinking about things that are going to relieve fatigue, physical activity, good nutrition, controlling your weight, whether it means regaining weight that you lost as a result of being sick or sometimes people gain weight as a result of the treatment. Learning how to take care of yourself and restore your well-being, um, being able to say no and set limits, not taking on too much, paying attention to your emotions and your mental health needs. It's very important to reach out to a professional if you're feeling depressed or anxious, which almost everybody goes through depression or anxiety to some degree after, after cancer treatment. It's very important to realize you don't have to go through that alone. And you, and you really should reach out for help because it makes it much smoother. And then learning what you need to learn to advocate for yourself in your follow-up care to make sure that you get the best care possible as you move away from treatment, but you get your checkups. Also knowing as much about good health information as possible. So boosting your own health literacy in areas that you didn't know before. And thinking about, and this is all as you move further away from treatment, then when you're several months to a year out, then you can start thinking about setting some goals or how you want to grow in the future, personal growth and moving forward. But it's really important not to set any expectations or too high a goal too soon. So you really need to allow yourself to have that time. And it can take a year or more. So you have to be, yeah, you do have to be patient. So in terms of, you you know, you touched on dealing with emotions and, and worries. So what are some of the tools that someone can use right now just to have a better life after cancer or even during cancer to kind of deal 
with these emotions when they inevitably come up? Well, one of the things that I suggest to everyone is doing as much physical activity as possible because it does have a mood stabilizing effect and it, it helps you clear your mind. So that's one thing that you can do. But you know, I, t- I talked about, again, finding support, finding other people who've been through it, finding mental health professionals. And you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't feel that you have to go through it alone. You know, cancer is just not something that you that anyone should be expected to handle alone. You know, in support groups, a lot of times they'll have specific information about um, dealing with those feelings and mental health professionals that you can reach out to. For example, my program, cancerharbors.com, that has some materials that you can use to deal with some of those emotions and worries. But I always say that the best source is going to be someone who has been through it. So first, talk to other survivors, see what they did, and don't be afraid to open up and reach out for help. And then as far as your physical health and well-being, um, like I said, physical activity is very important. If you're able to walk, that is the single easiest and best way to improve your health and well-being. And you can make it interesting. You don't have to make it like exercise. You can just make it an activity that you go out and do. Like you can, you can walk around in shops or museums or parks or something. Just go see things that are stimulating and that will help you either learn something or help relax your mind. Find someone who can do that with you so that you have a friend. But just be creative about it to the greatest extent you can because you're going to get more benefit from the activity that way. It won't feel like exercise, but you're actually helping yourself you know, physically. You're, you're helping your physical fitness. You're building muscle mass, which you may have lost during treatment. Um, it stabilizes your mood. It helps your digestion. It improves your appetite. It improves your overall health and may prevent other other diseases. So you just can't beat it for a, an activity. Yeah, fantastic. So I guess what sounds to me like what you're saying is that the first number one priority is to really ground yourself, you know, after treatment and not really expect kind of too much and set realistic goals. Then kind of connect with other people who've been through the same thing before. And the next thing is to really focus on your emotions and make sure that you handling that side of things and maybe even uh, you know seeing a specialist like a therapist and then also of course working on your physical side of things and starting where you are so maybe walking or doing other forms of exercise yes and i think you mentioned you've got your own approach to exercise right yeah what does that look like so my own approach to exercise i i recommend walking to anyone who is able to then there are lots of other activities that you can do that are both um, therapeutic and work both the mind and the body. Um, One of the programs that I developed is called Fierce, and it builds on enjoyment of physical activity. And it's in a supportive social setting of cancer survivors. And what I do with that is I bring in community practitioners who are experts in different types of therapeutic movement or or healing modalities that involve activity. So we do yoga, tai chi, pilates, bowen work, reiki. We have physical therapists and occupational therapists come in. We've had people come in and do biofeedback. And we've had other activities like boxing. You know, we, we do so many different things, 
But this program is, it's a chance for people to experience different ways to move because what works for one person might not work for the next person. So you need a chance to, to explore that. So that's where my fierce concept comes in and, and you try all these different things and then hopefully someone will find something they enjoy because you're only going to do it if you enjoy it. So it's really important to find something that you like. And if you're the type of person who does not like exercise or a routine or feel like they have to stick to some kind of strict guidelines, something like this is great because you get a variety and you can try different things. And like I said before, if you can make it fun, you know, go out for a hike or go walk around the downtown of your city. There are different things that you can do so it doesn't feel like exercise. Yeah, sounds great, Eileen, because yes, you've got, when you get variety, you get to experience different things. And like you say, it gives you a chance to try something and find something you really like. Yeah. And physical activity is, is very good cognitively for clearing your mind and it improves blood flow to your entire body, including your brain. And it's just a great form of therapy, really. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Like, you know what, this is probably the best advice my oncologist gave me was, you know, during treatment and in recovery to go for a walk every day, no matter how crappy I felt. I did it and it's helped me so much. I kind of, you know, developed this into a habit and I'm still do it to this day every night. <laughs> I go for a walk and I love it, you know? That's great. Yeah, that is great advice. Yeah. <laughs> so Aileen, I know you have a unique perspective on the healthcare system. You kind of have a holistic view of the system, right? You've experienced it as someone who's been oncology nurse, but also as an advocate and, and a health coach, and you help people through recovery. So you see folks from different ends of the spectrum. So what is the best advice you can give to someone who's kind of going through the system right now? I think it's important to remember that when you're in the system, they are treating your disease. They are treating cancer. They're not treating you, the person. And no matter what they say, they are focused on treating the cancer and eradicating that. So just remember that there's the part of you, the whole of you, you are a person. You're not just a patient. And you're going to have to find a way to restore yourself as a person and don't expect that to come from the clinical side of things, from the medical profession. Uh, unfortunately, you, you really are on your own with that. And that's why people like myself and other coaches want to help people because medical treatment really doesn't help address how this whole experience affects people's everyday lives and how it extends into their lives beyond the medical treatment of cancer. So just remember that restoring yourself as a person is a whole other part of this experience. And you won't have a lot of time and energy to spend on it when you are going through treatment. But once you're through treatment, just remember that part is going to have to come from you and from reaching out to other people and finding your resources. Just don't expect to find the answers from the medical community. Cool. That makes so much sense, Eileen. So I know you've got a book out, which is great. So tell us about that and how can someone also you know, find that book and you know, find out more about you and what you do? Um, my book, it, it's on Amazon and uh, it's called Navigating the Sea, A Nurse Charts the Course for Cancer Survivorship Care. And to find out more about it, go to Amazon. It's both on Amazon UK and, and US. You should be able to get it anywhere. 
Um, you can also go to my website, which is cancerharbors.com. I also have a Cancer Harbors page on Facebook. So Navigating the Sea, the book, is a look at the healthcare system and how all the different stakeholders in the healthcare system can do a better job of working with people who have cancer and of helping the whole experience be less difficult and traumatic. So it's talking to all what I call all the stakeholders in the healthcare system. So physicians, nurses, patients, caregivers, administrators, politicians, anyone who has any kind of influence on the whole process of going through cancer, cancer treatment, after treatment, um, and then also people who've never had cancer before. What it does is it, it, it talks about all the different ways we can do a better job around cancer. And one of the things in the book that I introduce is a, it's what I call a cancer literacy program where people who have never had cancer before can learn about cancer. So they have a more realistic idea of what it is and what people go through so that if at some point in their future, either they are diagnosed or someone they love is diagnosed, they will have an idea of a few things they can do beforehand that they can have in place, doesn't take a lot of time or energy, but just to be a little bit more prepared for what they might face. So being a little more prepared to interact with the healthcare system, having a few things in place in your life that would make it easier, like in advance of ever being sick, figuring out who would you ask in your life who could help you? You know, who could you rely on as an advocate to go with you to doctor's appointments or to help you get help with things that you need help with? Who could do the grocery shopping? Who could take care of your, your dog or, or whatever it is that you, that you would have to figure out when you're under the duress of having a new cancer diagnosis? If you can just figure out a few of these things in advance... Um, and it doesn't, it's not just for cancer either. It's for any, anything, any health situation or any unexpected emergency, but just some things that you can do to make the whole process a little bit easier. Fantastic. Thanks so much for your time, Eileen. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Hey, this is Joe Bakmutsky, and thanks so much for listening. Listen, I just want to take a moment to really thank you for your time, because I know that it's precious, but also I want to congratulate you. I really want to congratulate you on listening to this podcast, because as we both know, cancer is incredibly hard to deal with, and you don't want to go it alone. And you want all the support and all the advice that you can get to, to stay on top of it, to stay on top of your worries during cancer. So I, I want to tell you about the tools that I have available on my website on simplifycancer.com that can really help you. So all of these tools are available under the tools menu on simplifycancer.com. So tool number one, that's the first visit oncologist checklist. So if the word oncologist bothers you, like I, I know it really freaked me out. If you are worried about your first appointment, as, as again, as we all are, then this can really help you with some key questions that you want to ask. The key thing, of course, is having a list like this means that you won't forget something important, which is easy enough to do when, when you've got a million things going through your head. Plus, it's a handy PDF, so it's easy to print and write down all the answers so you don't forget. So then there is the outcome map. Like This is a really simple but really powerful tool that I have developed to help you deal with worries about something specific, something that's bothering you right now. 
So maybe you're waiting for your test results and your minds of running in a million different directions. Or maybe you've got an ache or pain and you don't know what it is. Like, is it cancer? Is that a side effect from treatment? Or maybe is that something else altogether? So it will kind of help you to put it all together so you can, you can get a bird's eye view and decide how to best deal with it. Number three is mastering your emotions during cancer. Now, this is a walk through all the stages that you go through as a patient and as a caregiver through anger and through guilt and fear and how you can address your needs, your emotional needs on every level during cancer. Like it came about after many discussions that I had with my friend and my colleague. Her name is Jill. Her husband had prostate cancer, so uh, so he, she has this kind of caregiver's perspective. And we both like talked about how there are so many times um, when you go through cancer when you kind of just feel alone and you're struggling. You're on this roller coaster of emotions, and it's kind of full on and it's hard to deal with. So there, there's an audio version that comes along with it and there's a link to download the MP3 if that's what you want or you can just listen to it online and you know and just uh, listen along with the PDF. So another one is testicular cancer support kit. This has a one page summary of what the testicular cancer journey looks like that you can check out for yourself or share with your family or friends. Like it's got a helicopter view of all the symptoms and treatments and who's involved and what happens when. And it's really great one kind of page view of like what happens during testicular cancer. Plus, the kit also includes like ready-to-go email templates for your family, friends, and your workmates. So you can kind of share what's what's happened. Maybe you want to break the news on cancer and you don't want to think about and wreck your brain on what to write. So you can just copy and paste. You can tweak it a little bit so to suit your personality and you're good to go. And I've also done the same thing for prostate cancer. So check out the prostate cancer support kit. Again, it's showing all the treatment options and stages on one page. So you can walk someone through it like someone from your family or a friend. And they know what to expect and how it all happens. And of course, when you sign up for any of my tools, and we just talked about, you'll also get an email from me when, when there's a new episode that's kind of relevant to you right now and other news from the world of Simplified Cancer. And listen, I'm, I'm going to keep on asking you about how I'm doing here. I mean, are you getting what, you, what you're looking for? Was there something in particular that, that really made sense to you? Or is there a question that you want to ask? Or maybe there's, there's just something that you, you want to get off your chest, like, please, I need to know. Just reply to any of my emails or send me an email right now. My email is joe at simplifycancer.com. So that's J-O-E at simplifycancer.com. And send me an email whenever you've got anything on your mind. So again, I want to thank you for listening. Till next time. 